I'll say clean up. Welcome, Resurrection Sunday. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm trying to see certain people out there looking for my mother. Where is she? Where's Jennifer? Where's my twin sister? There's my twin sister. There you are. I see you all in white. Woo! And, 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 and my brother-in-law, Eric, and her daughter, Mary, and her boyfriend, Kel, and Josh. Woo! Let me just tell you something, Jennifer. Six years of piano still didn't pay off. Woo! Okay, never mind. I just want to let you know that God is good, and I'm excited about his word. I cannot wait to for us to experience the Lord's Supper together, it's going to be a great time. You know, it's just amazing, renewed hope, isn't it? I, I, there was a guy, and I don't follow all these rabbis, but there's this Rabbi Alan Kay who said, talked about the Passover, and of course we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, and he said, you know, it brings renewed hope, and today is renewed hope. And I tell you what, if, if my mother could have seen me playing the piano, she just said, there's renewed hope for that boy. Because I want to tell you, I took six years, I know it doesn't sound like it, I took six years, and I hated it so bad. This is a true story. I hated it so bad that, and my twin sister will testify, right, Jennifer? Come on, tell the truth, shame the devil. Bigger level, bigger devil, right? And so what happens is I would go out, we had this swing set in the back. Oh, y'all don't rock swing sets. For the people that are in my age bracket, do we rock swing sets away? Some of y'all were like, whoo, king of the hill, y'all was trying to swing people around. Anyway, I would get on the sliding board. There was like a little sliding board on some of the swing sets, and I would get on the, true story. I would get on the sliding board, and I would jump off the sliding board and try and land my fingers on a rock to break my fingers so I wouldn't have to go to piano. <laughs> now you're like, I'm never coming back to Summit. That's, I know what you're thinking now. So if you have your, I'm telling you, renewed hope. Renewed hope. Matthew 28, let's turn there for a moment and see a little bit of this beautiful picture of what happened a little over 2,000 years ago. Or roughly, thereabouts. Matthew 28, I want us to look at verse 1 through 10. And then we're going to get into something very neat. And this is going to be a backdrop for us. Look at this. After the Sabbath, or Hebrew Shabbat, right? That would be a Saturday on the Jewish calendar. The first day of the week is a Sunday. That's why uh, we worship on Sunday. We don't follow the Jewish calendar, we follow the Christian calendar. After the Shabbat at down, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. I can't imagine that picture. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Or in John's version, they fell out. The, you know what's amazing, by the way, side note? If you, if you know Jesus and you encounter him, you run to him. But if you don't know Jesus and you encounter him and you, you fall out, just look at Saul. Anyway, so... The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who is crucified. He is not what? 
Yeah, he has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Now, this is what blows my mind, that the stone was rolled away, violent earthquake, angels sitting on top of it, Roman soldiers falling out. I mean, it's a wild scene. And here come these women disciples, boom, shakalaka, that's not in scripture, come in and they see this wonderful sight. Now, here's what blows me away. And, and you've heard it all your life. You've been in church. It's true. The stone was not put in place to keep Jesus in. Because if he can resurrect from the dead, he can get out of a stone. Right? But the stone was rolled away so that we can get in, as Ray Vanderlyn would say, and we get in to see. So sometimes in our lives, we have these stones. You know, we get hard by the world. We get hard by the things that happen to us. We get hard, and people can't see Jesus in us. But the stone has been rolled away. So the women hurried, verse 8, away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. What's going to happen when you and I see Jesus for that first time? What will we do? Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Renewed hope. Whatever situation is going on, whatever's around you, as long as there's a re resurrection, there's renewed what? Hope. And God has hope for us. And I want to show you how this hope plays out. I don't know a whole lot like I want to about the Jewish Passover celebration. But when Jesus died, what's interesting, it was during the Passover. It was during the Passover celebration. And, and it, he died about 3 o'clock on Friday as he laid down his life. And what's interesting, at 3 o'clock on that very day, the priest would come out and blow the shofar, the ram's horn. He'd blow the horn at the very time of the evening sacrifice and at that very time. Jesus died. So I want to give you a little bit of an analogy about what they would do in this Passover meal as they would sit in their houses, as Moses instructed them to sit in their houses and, and to go over this and remember of what God did for them, set them free. The Israelites were trapped in bondage in Egypt, and yet God comes in and saves the day, just like he did with Jesus. But I want us to look at a couple things. And so with that being the backdrop of Jesus, our victor, Let's turn, if you will, in Exodus chapter 6. Genesis, Exodus. And we're going to look at a little bit of the scriptures that they used during a Passover celebration. As Jews all over the world would celebrate Passover. We celebrate our Passover from death to life in Jesus. Exodus chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 6 through 7. And you're going to like it, hopefully. So let's go ahead and stand as we honor the Lord and the reading of his word. And why do we stand, by the way? In the Old Testament, when they came back and rebuilt the temple and they dedicated, as they would read scripture, they would stand just to honor the Lord. Now, I told you before, they stood for six hours. We won't stand that long, okay? Because I'm hungry. All right, here we go. Sorry. Verse 6, Exodus chapter 6. 
verse 6. All about his covenant. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the what? And I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Father, I pray that Jesus would walk amongst us today in such a powerful way as in Revelation you said that he walks among the lampstands. You define the lampstands in Revelation, the church. And so Jesus walks in the very presence of us now by the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that he would become so real to us that if anyone in this room wants renewed hope today, here it is. Here is the opportunity. And if they leave without it, it's not because they couldn't have it, but because they chose not to have it. I pray that you would move and that you would be glorified and that people would be restored back to worshiping you this glorious and wonderful day. Thank you for not only your death, but your resurrection. They are inseparable. And they are what bring us hope. Our Savior, Jesus. In his name we all say, amen. You can be seated. So here's some things that go on in this passage that they would have in the Jewish Passover. Actually, they would have a, a cup. Now, it probably doesn't look like this cup, but nonetheless, this is high dollar, and this is how we roll at Summit. This is the cup. And so what they would do is they would have the Passover celebration. There would be a, a, a table there, and they would be leaning to the left. That would be your left, okay? This would be, if you're facing me, you're right. And so they'd be leaning there, and all of a sudden they would have their hand on the cup, and they would drink this cup as they remember this scripture. And this cup, they would drink uh, wine, and they would do something four times. Everything was symbolic in this Passover. Now, what does this have to do with the resurrected Jesus? You shall see. But let me just show you this. There's a couple points that are made in this passage in Exodus 6, verses 6 through 7, that blow me away about Easter, and here's what they are. Here's the first one. Jesus' death and resurrection confirms our freedom. Jesus' death and resurrection confirms our freedom. When they would take the Passover meal, as they would celebrate them being set free from Egypt under the bondage, go back to verse 6. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will what? Bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Now, don't miss in verse 7, he says under the yoke of the Egyptians as well. So he's trying to make the point. So the first cup that they would drink in the Passover meal or Seder, a Passover Seder is a Hebrew word for order, they would drink the cup of freedom. So Jesus, I can imagine the night that he was betrayed when they're going over this Passover meal, and they're probably going through this process, and here they have the cup of freedom. But isn't it pointing right to Jesus? Then you shall know the truth, and the truth will what? 
It's all about Jesus in this cup of freedom. It blows me away. He, he, he said this, this rabbi, Alan Kay, would say, this is a reminder of God's promise. So the question is, what have we been set free from? What have we, I mean, what have we been set free from? You know, the Israelites were in bondage. They were under the yoke of the Egyptians. They were under the hardship. They, they, they had no freedom to speak of. And yet, here comes God Almighty. He brings the 10th plague, and the 10th plague is the death of the firstborn, and they would slaughter the lamb at twilight, evening sacrifice, Jesus on the cross, 3 o'clock, blow the horn. They would take it and put it on the door, and here comes the angel of death, and it would pass by because there was blood on the house. Jesus' blood on us sets us free. And I just want you to know, for all these people in here, Christians that think, well, you could just go ahead and lose your salvation, I just want you to know this one thing. Once the blood has been put on the doorpost, you've been set free always. Just want you to know that, by the way. It's not like the angel of death is going to come back around and say, oh, that, that blood is stained just a little bit, washed away a little bit, so I'm going to go in. No, once you've been marked, you are marked, sealed for the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit. If that's not enough to get you excited and do a lap, eat a yeast roll. Okay, so we see this process of this. And now, what have we been set free from? This idea of freedom. Look at Hebrews chapter 2. Woo! I get excited. Verse 14. It just makes me want to get in my sassy voice. 14. Get excited. Since the children have flesh and blood. Children meaning us, human beings. We are the children of God. We're the children. Have flesh and blood. He too shared in their humanity. So that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And I love verse 15. And free those all who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. Sisters and brothers that know Jesus and are saved and born again, we have been set free from the fear of death. Every time we take the Lord's Supper, we celebrate the cup of freedom. Never mind if you saw the movie. Freedom, right? The whole idea. We've been set free. But there's more to this cup. It was this, when you're set free, there's this idea of rest. Now, some of y'all that are on vacation. Anybody been on vacation this week? No, we have three people on vacation. Well, we have one, two, three. Three. Well, praise God, three. Oh, we have four. I got somebody in the back. Wave your hands in the air like you don't care. Oh, okay. And so we've got five people that are on vacation. All right. So this idea of you've been, isn't it nice? Isn't it nice? Don't you get some rest? Isn't it nice? See, when they would go through this Passover Seder or the order, they would go back to Genesis and Genesis chapter 2 and the idea there at the beginning, verses 1 through 3, when God finished making the heavens and the earth, what did he do on the seventh day? He what? Rested. In other words, once you've been set free, you can now enter into Jesus' rest. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Ooh. Rest is not a day. Rest is in a person. Man, y'all don't hear me. Y'all don't hear me. We'll get to you. All right, so let's go ahead in this. We get this idea of rest within us. So the other idea is now that we've been set free, our responsibility is to tell others. So I, I, I can't remember if I was reading correctly, but they call this Elijah's cup, which means Elijah was his prophet. Elijah, uh, in fact, John the Baptist was considered to be Elijah. What did he do? Make straight the way of the Lord. He would proclaim the way of the Lord. Since we've been set free, we go around and we tell people about Jesus and how he set us free. Now, if they don't believe in God, 
that does, hey, it's going to be on them. The bottom line, they might deny that Jesus is real, but they cannot deny that something happened in your life and in my life. So we have an obligation as we drink the cup, not only because we're free to do what we want, but we're free to follow the master. Freedom. Well, let's go to the second idea there. The second idea about Jesus' death and resurrection confirms he is our deliverer. And might I add that he is our deliverer permanently. In fact, let's look back there in verse 6 of Exodus chapter 6. As they would go through the Passover, they would take this, a second cup, the cup of deliverance there, if you will, and they would read there in Isaiah 6, Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you, see that, from being slaves to them. Your version might have, I will deliver you. In other words, we have been delivered. Not only are we free, we are delivered, and we've been delivered permanently. Now, why would God deliver us? Well, you have to go back to the Israelites there as they were delivered from Egypt. And why the whole idea of their deliverance? And they were delivered to actually be priests, a holy nation. The Bible is going to call us a royal priesthood. In fact, we're going to get to that. Let's look at Hebrews 2. Let's look at Hebrews 2, 17. Talking about Jesus as our deliverer. For this reason, he, referring to Jesus, had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. This second cup, as they would celebrate, as they would reap of the cup, or that they had a second cup sitting there, they, they called this sometimes the cup of commitment is my understanding. And this cup of commitment, they would drink, meaning that we are making a commitment. As free people, we are making a commitment to follow Jesus. What does Luke 9, 23 and 24 say? Then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must what? Deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Look at the commitment language. For whoever wants to save his life, will lose it. But whoever loses his life, for me, save it. Commitment language. The Israelites were supposed to be that. Exodus 19, 5 and 6. Look at the scripture. Oh, we got some scripture today. Look at this. Now, this, look what he says there. Right before they get the Ten Commandments. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations... You will be my treasured possession. Reminds me of Corinthians. You have this treasure in jars of clay. Oh, the language is beautiful. Although the whole earth is mine, look what God says to the Israelites. You will be for me a what? Kingdom of what? Well, what do priests do? Priests take God to man, right? And man to God. They were supposed to be a people that showed Jesus, the, the coming Messiah, the world. The world. They were supposed to show the world God and his coming Messiah, Jesus, and they didn't do that. Look what 1 Peter 2.9 says. It, but you, talking about us, are a chosen people, a royal what? A holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness in 
to his, or as the song we'd like to say, marvelous, or the word there says, wonderful light. We are called the cup of commitment. When we take the Lord's Supper today, not only are we drinking freedom, but we are drinking commitment. I deny myself, I take up my cross daily, and I follow you, Jesus. That is what we do. That is what Jesus did for us. Set us free. And you might be saying, well, that doesn't sound like a lot of freedom if I've got to obey God. Here's what I want you to know. You'll have the most freedom in this world when you're trying to just live for God. Anybody get a witness on that? Because you try to live for other people, how much bondage you going to be in? Because you can't please everybody. Mm. Well, I love you, baby. Six years later, you're going to do what I say. That's modern-day Egypt. You need to deliver. Bye, bye, bye. Anyway, I'm sorry. So the third idea there is we're going to this third cup. So then in this Passover celebration that we go, in the third cup that we drink, that we refill it, that Jesus' death and resurrection confirms he is our redemption. Now this is, go back there to Exodus 6. Oh, this is so good. Verse 6, therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out under the yoke of the Egyptians. Freedom, I will free you from being slaves to them. Deliverance, commitment, and I will what? Redeem you. And look what it says there. With an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. Did you know that each plague brought judgment on each Egyptian god? And that their highest God there was the God of death. And so there's Pharaoh, I imagine, praying for him to save to this God of death, the God of the underworld. He's praying for him to save his son, and yet he could not because there's only one true God. Ooh. But God redeemed him. He redeemed them. He bought them back with a price. And this is what gets so beautiful to me. This, this, Ray Vanderlyn talks about this wonderful Bible story. Talks about the idea of this, fourth, this, this, this third cup. This was probably the cup that he gave his disciples. When he said, this is a new covenant in my what? Blood. This was the cup that he said, and he made this new covenant with them. It was the cup of redemption. He's going to the cross. He's dying on the cross for their sins. It's called, in theological world, the penal substitutionary atonement. Penal means penalty. Atonement there, satisfying the wrath of God, paying our price there, substitutionary in our place. There you go. He does it for us. He redeems us. He buys us for this whole idea. Now what's interesting about this, here's what I want you to know. Here's what's the beautiful part of all this. In this fourth cup, or excuse me, this third cup, as he would give it to the people, as they would go through this, this is what's beautiful. He was giving to the, to the disciples. This is the idea behind the cup. When Jesus talks to us, he considers the church his what? Any guests? Come on, talk to me. I'm not rhetorical. He, his what? Somebody said it right. Bride. We are his bride. He is the groom, correct? And so the idea behind it, that's the closest commitment. That's the closest commitment that we can have on this earth that he kind of gives an analogy toward to saying we follow Christ. Now watch this cup. Here's what happens. 
There's some people in this room that might be getting engaged. This is how you do it. Okay, so I get this idea. This is what they would do. When somebody wanted to get married in in the first century, they would go, the, the guy who really digs the girl, Sorry, there's no guy. That's a wire. I was corrected. The man. And so this idea behind this, he goes to the girl. He he would take his father, and he would go to the girl's father. And they would begin to negotiate a price called a dowry. As they would negotiate this price. Now, it all depended upon how valuable the daughter was to the father as how much the price. Now, perspective-wise, let me give you a perspective. If you were to buy a house today, that would be a huge investment, correct? Let's say if you were to buy a $150,000, $200,000 home, that's a big investment. It would probably be about the same ratio as if the, the daughter was valuable to the father. It would be that type of investment. So what would happen is the young man would go, and he would go and talk to the girl's father along with his father. They would, they would negotiate this price, and they would agree upon it, and then they would either give the down payment or give the price or however they work out the payment details. After that, they bring the girl in. Ladies, this is where it gets absolutely beautiful. They would bring the lady in. Here's the third cup, the cup of redemption. And he would take this cup of wine. Now, wine, you have to understand, wine represents, you know, pressing. It represents work. But it also represents something else. What does wine look like? Blood. Good. So it represents blood. In other words, the wine in the cup represented the man's life. Don't miss it. It represented the man's life. So he would begin to take this cup, and without saying a word, he would take the cup, and he would hand it to his girlfriend, indicating, will you be my wife? If she took the cup, and she drank from the cup, she was saying, in effect, that my life will be your life. When, see, this is where it gets unbelievable. When Jesus gave them the cup, and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. New covenant, New Testament. Then what they did, when they took that cup, and those disciples drank from that cup, what they were saying is, Jesus, now your life will be my And we take the cup today. And you take it and you get in your group and you play. And you drink it. You are saying to Jesus, your life, my life, I am completely yours. You have redeemed me. That was the new covenant and is the new covenant. Don't you ever miss that. That is the biggest thing. When you eat, take the Lord's Supper, it is not some perfunctory exercise that we have because the Bible says to do it. But we do it as if to say every time Jesus, it's not being saved again and again. That's not it. What we're declaring is that Jesus, my life is yours. And this is a visual reminder that you gave your life for me and asked me 
for my life. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the what? But he doesn't stop. There was a fourth time they would drink from the cup. And this is what Jesus' death and resurrection holds on to. It was the fourth time. And it would confirm the Messiah. There was that fourth cup was for the, it was the Messiah's cup, if you will. I'll call it that. The Messiah's cup because it was all in anticipation that the Messiah was coming. That the Messiah was coming. So this fourth cup was all about the Messiah. That one day he is going to come back. And yes, we are his. Yes, he has redeemed us. Yes, he has set us free. Yes, we've been delivered. And because of that, we commit our lives. Yes, it's all his. But one day he's going to put everything back to right. The Messiah is coming. That was the cup in the Passover. There was a Messiah cup. But what's interesting is when we take the Lord's Supper, when we drink from the cup, it's as if the third cup and the fourth cup merges. Oh, you don't get it. It's as if the third cup, the cup of redemption, and the Messiah's cup merges because we learn in 1 Corinthians that when we drink the cup, every time we drink from the cup in the Lord's Supper, we proclaim, watch this, the Lord's death until he what? Come. We take the Messiah's cup and the Lord's death, the cup of redemption, and it's merged into one, and his name is... Whew. We don't do multiple cups. We do one cup. Because in one cup, because in one life, because in one person, the God-man Jesus satisfied freedom, deliverance, redemption, and he is the Messiah who's coming back one cup. Now here's where it gets beautiful. And I brought me some tissue in case I start crying. And I'm not a big crier, am I? Y'all at Summit know, right? Crying's not high on my list. Eating is. Word to the mother. But let me tell you, this is where I get emotional. Because when we drink that cup, It's as if we're drinking it with Jesus. It's as if we're drinking it with every loved one that's gone to be with Christ. It's as if, if it's such a holy moment that we're together because we are with Christ and this idea, I mean, this is holy in front of God. Mom, I see you out there. Mom, wave your hand. That's my mom. There's my mom. That's her fiance right there. And uh, they met uh, uh, back in first grade. But now they're, 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 they're engaged, and so I have to guard their public display of affection. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh, just kidding, Mom. Don't beat me. And so, I, you know, it's interesting. You know, uh, Al Hoffman, her fiancé, his wife went to be with the Lord. My father, a little over five years ago this past Friday, went to be with the Lord. And what's interesting now is this idea of, of this worship and this uh, taking the Lord's Supper. Mom, we don't always get to worship together, do we? And you know, I'm going to miss it, miss it. And always. And when we get the chance to worship together, 
It's beautiful. When you and I take this Lord's Supper, it's as if we're worshiping with all the people that have come to be with Jesus. And we're unified. That's the beauty of Jesus' death. And the greatest way we can celebrate it is through the Lord's Supper. See, it renews my hope. Every time we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Redemption, the Messiah come to earth. So I want us to do something. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians 11. I want you to look at verse 23. We're getting ready to take the Lord's Supper, but before that we do that, I believe the Lord would have us talk about renewed hope. Verse 23. There's so many people that don't know Jesus, it kills me. My twin sister and I were, were looking at some pictures of our high school uh, classmates. And, and I looked at her, I said, I said, Jennifer, I just want to cry. And she said, why? And I said, because I, I don't know if these people know Jesus. And I really don't know. And what happens, it's burning in me because when I was in high school, I never witnessed. I never witnessed. We have an opportunity to renew our faith in Christ and be obedient to his call. Verse 23, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, or the word Eucharisteo, where we get Eucharist, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Oh, mosaic language, manna from heaven. The manna came and sustained the Israelites in the wilderness. Jesus' bread, his life, his body will sustain us in our wilderness. He is our renewed hope. In the same way after... Supper, he took the cup, saying, probably the third cup, the cup of redemption. Ray Vandalin would say, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The third and fourth cup collide in a beautiful picture of Jesus. But there's a way to take it. We have to examine ourselves. It's so holy. You don't get extra grace. Jesus, the grace came from Jesus' death on the cross. We don't get extra grace through this. But what we get is a beautiful picture and a renewal of our love for Jesus. But we have to take it in a proper way. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. That meaning death. Now he's talking to believers. Now what is the policy at Summit? 
We have, there's, there's open communion, there's closed communion. Closed communion is if you're not a member of a church, if you're not a member in good standing, you cannot go and partake. We at Summit practice open communion. What does that mean? It means this, that if you have given your life to Jesus Christ, and, and, and I would prefer that you've been baptized or going to be baptized, why it doesn't save you, but it's an outward expression of your heart, you are more than welcome. You don't have to be a member here. You can be a guest today. This could be your first time, your hundredth time. You are more than welcome to partake of this. The only deal breaker I'm asking is that you know Jesus. You've committed your life to him. But before you do that, we examine ourselves. We look at ourselves and say, God, is my life and my commitment to make your life my life? Am I in that process or have I walked away? Are there things in my life that just are not right? Now's the time we need to deal with those. God, are there people that I've hurt and, 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 and I need to go and make right with? Go make right. Matthew says if you, if you know your brother has something against you, lay your gift at the altar and go and make it right. Well, you say, well, John, I can't talk. That person's already died. Ask God to forgive you. He will. He's faithful and just. Cannot deny himself. But it's our responsibility to take time. And so what we're going to do during this invitation is this. We're going to do, we're going to take some time and pray. And I'm going to ask that y'all, you and I, that we pray and we seek the Lord. Now, if you're in this room and you've never seen the beauty of Jesus Christ, if you've never seen it like this today, I want to tell you, you have a chance today to drink the cup of redemption. You have a chance today to say, yes, Jesus, your life will be my life. That's repentance. It's not a head knowledge to say, I believe that there's a literal Jesus and he died and rose again and yeah, that's great and, and I'm going to say a prayer and put a couple words out there and everything's going to be good. No, what it is is trust. I trust you so much, Jesus, that I'm willing to take my life and throw it into your life and whatever you want me to be, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go because your love is so satisfying and so good and so much better than life, I commit to follow you. Now, am I following God? Do I stumble? Yes, but I always get back up because he picks me up. Do I sin? All the time. But I am on my way. It's like the man once said, I'm not what I should be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. How about you? Are you on that journey? If you've never done that today, listen. greatest thing you can do is give your life to Jesus. We're going to be singing majesty. And I want you to absorb yourself in that song. I want you to pray and ask God, examine yourself. If you're, if you're ticked off with a family member, go make it right. You don't know what they did to me, John. Let me tell you what this, about this. You're right. I don't know what they did to you. But I know what they did to my Lord Jesus. And if he can absorb the blow, so can we. Because we walk in his power. But John, though, just take advantage of me. Set healthy boundaries and move on. But bless those who curse you. Will you examine yourself today? We're going to pray. If you've never given your life to Jesus, call upon him and he'll save you. Tell him, I put my trust in you. I want to follow you. That's what I I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And 
God, you rose him on the third day, and I commit my life to you. And when you do, guess what? Something changes in your heart, and then it changes in your mouth. And you're not afraid to say Jesus is Lord because it's different in your heart because out of the mouth, the heart speaks. If you're a believer in this room, let me give you some renewed hope. God loves you and wants intimacy. Drink his cup. It is good for the soul. Spend some time with him. Confess sins. Talk to him. Love on him. And then we're going to take it. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today, not by might, not by power, but by your spirit. We're going to take some time, Lord, and do some self-examination. If people want to come and kneel, pray, that's fine, whatever they want to do. But this one song, Majesty here, we're going to sing. God, I pray. I pray right now that you would examine our hearts. If there's any sin in our lives, we ask for forgiveness of our sins. We want to take this with clean hands and a pure heart. And then, Lord, we want to also confess if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, Lord, my prayer is that you would save them because you have redeemed them. You have set them free. You have delivered them. You have bought them with a price, and you are coming back. So, God, I pray today that we would all drink this cup of redemption. God, that you renew our hope. Whatever situation they're in, renew their hope, God, that you are a Messiah who is coming back. You are a Messiah who lives. It might be bad at home, but Sunday's coming. It might be bad at the job, but Sunday's coming. It might be bad in finances, but Sunday's coming. It might be bad with health, but Sunday is coming. Sunday is coming. Lord, you have your will and your way as we examine ourselves. In Jesus' name.